1: There will be no death by inches.
0: This is the Broncos Daily Podcast with Brandon Crystal. I want everything. I want all the meatballs and the pasta, you know. Happy Sunday, Broncos country. Coming to you from the Twin Cities. As the Broncos set to take on the Vikes, another 11 o'clock kick. Depending on when you listen to this, you'll be able to catch me do the Broncos warm-up as well. Uh, that comes 7 to 8 Mountain Time. Uh, kickoff again, 11 o'clock Mountain Time, 12 Central, 1 Eastern, 10 in the Pacific. Four of the next five weeks, the Broncos are on the road, and four of the next five weeks, they have early kickoffs. This week, next week in Buffalo, it's 1 o'clock Eastern, but it's still an 11 o'clock mountain time kick. So uh, the Broncos will have to become road warriors here quickly if they want to try to salvage anything this season. Uh, dab smack in the middle right after Thanksgiving, December 1st. Of course, you got the Chargers game, then you go to Houston, to KC. Uh, it will be a tough road to hoe. There's no doubt about it. And nobody's picking the Broncos. I don't think I am either. Uh, I do think they'll cover. I did pick them to cover in a couple of my pick them games, uh, but I cannot pick them to win the game Saturday. We saw the spectacle that is Colin Kaepernick's workout change places from Atlanta to, or in, from Atlanta, the Falcons facility to a high school there in Georgia. Uh, and most of the scouts and, and executives that went and watched Colin that we're going to watch him in Atlanta uh, or at the Falcons place, went and watched him at the high school. And now fans line the, the street and uh, media was in the stands and you saw plenty of video. You saw his talent. I saw uh where one NFL exec said that he had elite arm talent and you could see him lofting those 65 yarders. Like it was nothing uh, because that's what he can do. The question is, does anyone want to take a chance on a guy that's likely going to be your backup? And where does he make sense? He doesn't really make sense with what the Broncos have going on right now, quarterback wise. I'm not saying he doesn't make sense scheme wise. And if anybody knows Colin Kaepernick, it's Vic Fangio who spent four years around him in San Francisco. Uh, so you'd, you'd like Vic's chances with him as much as anyone, you know, what else makes a lot of sense, but it's, not going to come to pass Baltimore backing up Lamar Jackson would make a lot of sense, but they already have RG three there backing up Russell Wilson in Seattle makes sense as well. And I guess backing up Kyler Murray in Arizona might make sense, but do you want to bring in Colin Kaepernick to be a lightning rod to not even be a starter? He's 32 years old, going to be 33 when next season starts. So I don't know where we'll see Colin Kaepernick, uh, if at all. I'm, Apologizing for not having Ryan Edwards had some scheduling issues this week, uh, dealing with my 13 year old having a small outpatient procedure on Friday and it just kind of threw our, our week off. So if you have any fantasy questions, you can certainly hit me up at BK Denver sports hit Ryan up at R Edwards radio, always happy to uh, help you with fantasy and also looking at college football Saturday, uh, the biggest story to come out of the day without question is Tua Tungabailoa's injury. Should he have been pulled? It was a second quarter. I get that the score was 35-7, to but in the second quarter, you're not pulling your quarterback, and Nick Saban's taking flack because Mississippi State was just overmatched, but you're on the road in Starkville. uh, A fluky kind of injury has been compared to Bo Jackson's injury on the bus from the Broncos team playing to the hotel. Rick Lewis and I were looking at video of Bo Jackson's injury and saw some similarities, and neither looked like they would be career enders, but when you look at dislocating a hip it, it just changes who you are now Bo ran the ball and we you know he tried to play baseball after that and, and was okay with the White Sox uh to a by low it throws the football but certainly runs and that's part of what he does and you need your legs to work uh so you got to take him off m- most teams first round boards right now until you have more information so unfortunate to see no one wants to see it uh but Tua Bailoa, not only done for the year, the question is, when will he be back on a football field? And he probably doesn't go into the draft at this point. At this point, if you're Tua, you probably have to not only rehab, you probably have to sit next year and then play the year after, and then he's battling with his brother for playing time. Uh, So it gets really interesting and and unfortunate to see how it's going to come to pass there with Tua Bailoa. So every week, you know, on Sunday we go behind enemy lines, and normally I get someone that covers the team. A couple weeks ago, I got Wesley Woodyard who played for the Titans, plays for the Titans. Uh, and so that was certainly unique. And this week, Tom Pelissero fell into my lap. He came to Denver. Uh, he lives in Minneapolis. He's their version of James Palmer. He covers the league, but he's at the Vikings a lot. He covered the Vikings and he worked for USA Today. And now he's been at the NFL Network for a few years. And he's just plugged in to the league and certainly to the Minnesota Vikings as anyone. So I uh, thought. This would be a great person to talk to for Behind Enemy Lines because he, uh, beyond the guys that cover the team, really has the trust of people in that front office and certainly a number of those coaches, especially because they've been at other stops and he's been able to cover them along the way. Uh, So here is uh, your look Behind Enemy Lines with NFL Network's Tom (laughs) Pellicero. Tom, you cover the entire league, but you're based in Minneapolis. And are as plugged into the Vikings as anybody, not just nationally, but but locally, with apologies to my pal Chris Thomason and and folks like that. So I want to ask, because Gary Kubiak's name has come up so much this week, who's the offensive coordinator? Does Kevin Stefanski just get overlooked, or does Gary get too much credit, or how does it break down? Well, I think Kubiak gets brought up a lot this
1: week for very obvious reasons. But what you have to understand is it was Kevin Stefanski's idea. He was behind it to bring in Gary Kubiak. He had become close with Clint Kubiak, who's Gary's son. Um, those two had been talking. Gary was looking to get back into coaching. And so everything lined up. The Vikings did a ton of interviews with different offensive coordinator candidates last offseason. Stefanski had been their coordinator, called the plays on interim basis for three games after uh, John D. Filippo had been let go. Uh, and they needed an overarching plan. Part of it with Stefanski was he's a first-time play caller. He's been in the organization since 2006 when he was hired by Brad Childress as Childress' assistant, not assistant coach, his assistant, and then moved up from there, coached a bunch of different positions, but had never taken this on. He wanted an experienced coach with him. It was the perfect alignment, especially because their philosophy on offense uh, lines up and they're running the scheme that I'm sure Broncos fans are going to be really familiar with having watched it out here.
0: So is Gary in Kevin's ear the whole game?
1: Gary is upstairs. Right. Kevin's on the sideline. So they are communicating throughout the game. Ultimately, Stefanski is the one who's actually calling the place. He is the offensive coordinator. It sets up though a unique uh, dynamic. For instance, in training camp, they actually split their walkthroughs into two fields. So you had Stefanski running the first string offense, and you had Kubiak running the second string offense on a different field. It, it also allows coaching development, too, because what they do is they just say, hey, normally you got however many assistants on offense. They can't all be doing stuff. Well, you split it into two. Now you can give guys more responsibility. They just they have more brain power in the room than they've had in the past, and for the first time in a while, it seems like the Vikings have a stable plan
0: that they're confident in on offense after all the changes. Well, it's got to make Mike Zimmer's life easier because he's a defensive-minded guy to know that, with a young play caller in Stefanski, he's got an adult in the room. The, the Broncos have something similar here, and we'll get to that in a second. But to know that Gary, he can rely on Gary to handle helping Kevin run the offense, and Mike can just focus on the defense.
1: Well, one issue that the Vikings had last year, and this is way bigger than football, but Tony Sperano passed away on the EVA training camp. Tony was that guy. He was the offensive line coach. He was, uh, I can't remember if he had the assistant head coach title, but he was basically that guy. He was kind of the liaison between Zimmer and John DiFilippo, who was the new guy who Zimmer had not worked with previously. When Tony passed away, which of course was a tragic um, incident and the Vikings took, the day off from practice. Everybody went to the Memorial. When they got back to football, what really happened was you lost the mesh between the run game and the pass game to a degree because the run game was Sperano's baby, but you also had nobody as kind of that go-between that Zimmer, somebody that he really trusted, um, and they never were able to, philosophically, it was a bad match with with De Filippo, but not having Tony there was a big deal. With Stefanski, Zimmer knows him really well, but having
0: another experienced voice who's been there, who's won a Super Bowl, uh, that's absolutely something the Vikings are happy with. Tom Pellicer, from NFL Network here with me and you're going to be covering Vikings-Broncos for the network. And so when you look at Kubiak's biggest success on offense, whether it was he and Mike together, all the great rushers they had in Denver, the best the offense ever looked was when it had Terrell Davis. And Dalvin Cook and Terrell Davis share share some similar attributes in terms of the way they're built, the top end speed. And I think Dalvin Cook, plenty of Expectation coming in, he probably slid in the draft further than he should have. And then he just couldn't get over his injuries. Now healthy, he really does look like uh if not the best back in the league, certainly in a short conversation.
1: If you go back to the first whatever he played three and a half games before he tore his ACL in 2017, you talk to people with the Vikings, they'll say he was already our best player right out of the shoot. He comes back from the ACL, rehabs that, has hamstring issues that really ruined 2018. He kept saying throughout the offseason, I remember asking Delvin so many times, he was sick of hearing it. He's just like, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, he wasn't doing anything extra with the hamstring. He just, he insisted he was going to be fine. Well, they finally play him, and I think it was the third preseason game, and he immediately rips off like a 70-odd-yard touchdown run. You went, okay, that that looks like the guy. And then week one against the Falcons, same thing. Okay, that that looks like the guy. He just keeps doing it. He has this unique ability to move in any direction in space, whether it's cutting laterally, whether it's cutting sideways, backwards, forwards, whatever, Um, in addition to the speed. And the Vikings also, are their scheme um, that that Stefanski and Kubiak have put in is really conducive to it because if you look at the numbers, they're running outside the tackles. As effectively as anybody in the NFL, I'll have our wonderful NFL research stat- staff pull the exact numbers. But I know in recent weeks they have been number one in the league in terms of outside runs. That's not just the outside zone that the whole scheme is based on, but it's also these toss plays and counter toss plays where they are getting him on the edge. They got these athletic offensive linemen who can get out into space, get on the linebackers. You know, there are times where he's not getting touched. Now he can run people over, as we've seen. He can knock you down. He can spin on you. He can do all sorts of different things. But um, some of his biggest plays this year. He's getting to that second and third level without being touched. That's a credit to everything else the Vikings are doing offensively, and and Cook is absolutely
0: uh, maximizing what he's getting with for opportunities. Yeah, it's funny you talk about that Dalvin Cook run. I was in the hotel room in L.A., and that run probably would have gotten more play on the highlight shows if – Andrew Luck didn't retire that same night because the Broncos were playing the Rams and that that happened while we're in the press box and we're all checking to see if Adam Schefter's account is fake or what. And so, but I remember sitting there flipping that game on because it was an earlier start. It was a daytime game, I guess, early afternoon, mid-afternoon in Minneapolis. And Dalvin Cook breaks off that run. I'm like, oh, he's good. I need to draft him in every fantasy league. And of course, I have him on zero fantasy teams. I also don't have Kirk Cousins on any fantasy teams, but it feels like I probably should. He's living up to the expectation Are fans in Minneapolis a little less harsh on him right now because of the 18 touchdowns against three picks and how, how well he's looked? It's tough to get a
1: gauge on it because Kirk Cousins is on that short list of guys we've seen different, especially quarterbacks through the years who no matter how well they play for however long, the moment they have a bad game, it's there it is again. He's terrible again. Blake Bortles was a perfect example of that, where he would have these really hot stretches the way that he played uh, during their playoff run a few years ago, and then the moment he has a bad game, it's just, well, he's terrible now. Mitch Trubisky, for whatever reason, has fallen into that category too, and he's a young quarterback who you don't even have that much of a track record on, but you saw what he did last year, and nobody should be surprised that the Bears weren't going to pull the ripcord and go to a career backup in, in Chase Daniel. Um, with Cousins, you know, since week five, he has the highest passer rating in the NFL. They had that, you know, the, I think it was basically on national TV, the afternoon game against the Bears in week four, where he misses a couple of throws. He misses the deep ball to Adam Thielen on the opening drive right after Chase Daniel had taken over for Trubisky and driven length of the field. Misses Thielen. It just felt like, here we go again. The Vikings never got going. And that was the week where, you know, that following Monday, Tuesday, Stefan Diggs didn't show up for work. Um, Adam Thielen said some things after the game that, to a large degree, knowing Thielen was a lot was exaggerated in terms of the reaction to the things he said, but Cousins apologizes to him on the radio show, all these different things that were going on since that point. Cousins has been one of the best statistically uh, quarterbacks in the entire league. I, I don't know that he's ever going to get out of that. And I've talked to Kirk about this before we sat down before week one. Uh, and he told me, cause I was asking him about, you know, just, you know, kind of the expectations and everything that happened last year, week 17, me and him happen to be walking out of U.S. Bank Stadium at the same time. Him through the player's door, me through the media door. He's walking into the player's parking lot, and there's a couple of drunk idiots who are just screaming obscenities over the fence at him. You blew it. You ruined the season. Because this was a team was in the NFC title game. And I brought that up to Kirk, and he was just like, listen, like, he said the stuff in the spring about I'm basically a 500 quarterback. He's like, so it's going to be okay. Now you got to win games. All right. Well, when I do that, it's going to be, well, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. There's always going to be another mountain to climb. He, he gets the game far better than he often uh, lets on here. But as long as he's playing well um, or playing well enough, because go back to the game a week ago against Dallas, that wasn't the Kirk Cousins show. That wasn't him throwing the ball for 400 yards. He was like through for 220 or something like that. Dalvin cook ran all over people, but he played well, did his job. The contract is the contract, but right now he's doing what the Vikings are asking him to do.
0: Tom Palacero from NFL Network with me, and I'll throw a couple quick Broncos questions at you. James Palmer based in Denver, so he's all over the league, but we see him all the time, and he kind of talks about the perception of this team around the league. But this is the first time I've seen you this regular season. Vaughn Miller said Thursday, and we said it as well, that this team's better than their record. But what's the perception of this Broncos team, especially with the question marks of quarterback now?
1: Honestly, I don't think that there is one. Nationally, uh, just as somebody who covers the league on, on, a, on a regular basis, unless it's Joe Flacco going in an injured reserve, we're not talking Broncos right now on NFL Network. That's just when you start 0-4, you kind of get forgotten about, and they're not that far off. I mean, I talked to some of the players in the locker room just now I said, we were watching those games last week. The Chiefs are 6-4 and now. You know we're three and six. We feel like we've still got a shot to, you know, to be at least relevant. Um, but I mean, who are the who are? If you're talking about national perceptions, we always get lost here. I'm not saying that they're a bad team. What I'm saying is they're not relevant to the conversation because, like, who are the the big players? Cortland Sutton. I've been telling everyone. I told Cortland Sutton this. I go, you are the most unknown superstar in the NFL. He's an unbelievable player. He has developed into a true one, and that's a credit to Rich Scangarello and the staff here. Trusting him, integrating him, watch him continue to come out of his shell. Now I bet you, with Emmanuel Sanders gone, he can be that alpha dog in the receiver room. He's running this thing. A lot of young skill guys uh, on this team, so there's things you can be excited about. Noah Fant should be a really good player. Philip Lindsay is a really explosive player that you've seen more and more. You know, they've been hamstrung on offense, the offensive line, the injuries. Defensively, statistically, outside of the takeaways, they're one of the better defenses in the league. But, no, there's, there, I don't think there is a perception. The perception right now is we don't have to worry about the Broncos until 2020. They win this weekend in Minnesota. That perception changes a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I think it probably – validates what they've been saying that we're better than our record says we are. All right. Final thing I have for you, you talked to Rich Gangarel. I know for a while uh, on Thursday and he kind of has a similar situation. He's obviously older than Stefanski, but he's got Mike Munchak over his shoulder to to help out, to lean on if he needs it. Uh, I've enjoyed all the conversations I've had with Rich on and off the record. He's probably the most informative uh, coach that we talked to, every single week his eight minutes of press conference, we get more from that than we get from anything else that, that Coach Fangio gives us or that at Donatel or Tom McMahon, the special teams coach. What what's your take of Rich Scangarello and what kind of OC he can be? Because as much as this offense has struggled, he's gotten plenty of the blame, maybe not all of it, but but certainly enough.
1: Well and they if just look at the personnel here. I mean they need to the next draft, and we can revisit this in April, but I bet you they're drafting one or two really fast wide receivers. They're drafting an offensive tackle um, they're they're solidifying some things in that regard. We'll see who it ends up being at quarterback. I mean, obviously, Joe Flacco is under contract, so are Drew Locke and Brandon Allen. But they're going to add some pieces, which they're going to need in terms of Rich as a coach. Just look at who has trusted him in their career. Kyle Shanahan wants to bring you along, brings him down to Atlanta, um, eventually brings him along to San Francisco after the stop at uh, Wagner, which is a, a long story of why he wasn't back with the Falcons for their uh, their Super Bowl season. But you know, Rich was the guy who you know played a big role the scouting of Nick Mullins with the 49ers. I mean, he was the guy who was really working with Kyle to identify quarterbacks in those drafts. Um, you see some of similar traits um, with the quarterbacks that they're trying to bring here. Even Brett Ripon, who's a young guy right now who's uh, on, on the 53 because um, he was the the backup after Joe Flacco's injury and obviously with Locke not being back yet. Um you know, Rich has a way of identifying things in quarterbacks, and that bodes well for what's going to happen. In the position going forward, whether it is Drew Locke who ends up being the, finally the long-term answer for the Broncos, or somebody else. That's that's one of his best traits. He's also yes, a, a very well-spoken guy. Knows offense. Knows the scheme that. You know, you're seeing a derivative of that scheme being run by about a third of the league right now um, has an understanding of that. And again, I think that when the personnel gets better, we may be sitting here next November talking about a
0: much better Broncos offense and Rich Gangarello as a head coaching candidate. Final thing I have for you, Tom Pellicero from NFL Network, who wins Sunday Broncos at Vikes. Not too many folks in Denver, at least in Pickham games, are picking the, the Broncos to, to win in the Twin Cities. I'm
1: out of the prediction business. Uh, I don't I'm not even sure if contractually I'm allowed to make picks anymore. I I don't
0: know. We got a lot of
1: rules. You want to you want to be even handed on these things. You can you can tune in 9 a.m. Eastern on uh, Sunday morning and I'll talk a lot about the game. But I would say this. I think that it'll be a more competitive game. Than people may realize it, it, the Broncos coming off a bye, they've had extra time to prepare. Uh, they can cause some problems with um, some of the w- matchups that they can create on both sides of the football. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's like Week One when the Vikings blew out the Falcons, but it was 21 nothing by the end of the first quarter. Maybe it's like Week Three when they again were up 21 nothing in the first half. Um, but don't be surprised if this one uh, keeps you tuned in past halftime.
0: Well, and luckily, the Broncos warm up will be done right in time for people to tune in and watch you. It ends at uh, eight mountain time which is nine eastern so perfect
1: haven't uh, been taken out by a football or a body yet so we'll see if that can change you never want to miss it don't miss it if we if I do Thanks Tom got yeah.
0: it great stuff there from Tom uh, really appreciate all the insight about the Vikings and how the dynamic between Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski works yeah, it hurts uh, your feelings to hear that the Broncos aren't even on anyone's radar nationally. There's not even a topic, uh, but you understand why that's uh, the case at this point. So uh, we'll see if the Broncos can help change that narrative with an upset win in Minnesota. I'm picking a 24-20 kind of win for the Vikes, maybe 20-17. to I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. I think the Broncos' D does keep Dalvin Cook in check, relatively speaking, uh, but I just don't know if the Broncos will have enough offense. They could end up in that, you know 10 to 13 kind of range and I'd love to be wrong we saw Brandon Allen obviously throw two touchdown passes something we only saw Joe Flacco do once all year so uh, maybe that was just building on something Uh, but I don't think the Broncos win I hope I'm wrong and tomorrow I will have all of your post-game analysis locker room sound so appreciate you listening appreciate you spreading the word and riding along with us here as we grow the Broncos daily podcast enjoy your game day